Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to an episode of the Wojo Walkthrough, a topical podcast. I am the host of this podcast. Uh, I am joined along here with my good friend Joshua Engelhart, otherwise known as Bubba, who is the technical director and handles the technical aspects of this podcast. And in our free time, we uh, thoroughly enjoy sitting down with uh, important figures around the community to uh, have meaningful conversation and possibly every once in a while uh, shine a sense of humor on some subjects. And today we are about to have very meaningful conversation with Dr. Justin Patchen, uh, who are v- who we are very excited to have on the platform. Uh, Dr. Patchen is a professor of criminal justice at the Department of Political Science at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Uh, he's also written eight books and uh, dozens of articles uh, for academic and professional publications. Uh, he has also a co-director of the Cyberbullying Research at University of Eau Claire, and uh, he has spoken at the White House, the FBI Academy, has appeared on CNN, NPR, BBC, in the New York Times, and many other national and international media to discuss issues related to teenagers and their exposure of technology and also the misuse of it. So, uh, without a further ado... Does it bother you that technology is always listening to us? Does it bother me? Um... I mean, yes and no. I, th- I wish there was a lot more transparency about what what exactly is being done and how it's being used. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not one who's too concerned about uh, sort of public monitoring. If you're in a public space and there's cameras or what, you know, you sort of have to expect that you don't have a expectation of privacy in some of those locations. And I guess somewhat similarly, if you're using someone's technology, then you have to, especially if it's free. Uh, you realize that they're going to have to make money somehow, so they're going to have to, you know, gather information, you know, sell it. Um, you know, no, there's nothing is ever for free. Uh, is it bothersome? I mean, there's some concern there, for sure. But I, I think more, more of my concern stems around what we don't know. You know, so there's enough about what we know that could make you concerned, but there's plenty that we don't know about how, you know, this is done and how that information is used. Do you happen to think uh, sometimes what are the motivations behind it? Um, no, I mean, there's, I mean, certainly there's the motivations are money and power yeah, and influence, right, and right. you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I think those are pretty obvious. It's just mm-hmm. maybe maybe the the sort of specific motivations for something might be a little bit more uncertain. But I think the the main reasons that companies are doing these kinds of things are are pretty clear. Do you think it's possible uh, there could be another uh, tech giant that could overpass uh, Google? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. it's hard to imagine, right? And yeah. I wish I was good at that kind of stuff because I would, you know, I when Facebook and Google and these companies first went public, I thought there's no way these companies are going to make money, and of course I was way wrong on that. Uh, you know, because how do you make money on search? Well, because I, I didn't understand the technology, and I also didn't understand mm-hmm. uh, everything else that Google had its hands in, you know, yeah. in terms of making money. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the 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 roadmap is there. I think these other companies are at a disadvantage because, you know, Google and you know Meta slash Facebook, you know, they've got an Apple and Microsoft. Mm-hmm. They all have a head start on all this stuff. But mm-hmm. the the other thing to remember is look at you know AT and T. And look at some of the, you know these, some of these giant companies from even just 50 years ago yeah. uh, are dead. They're gone. 
mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, there's I I don't think, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if 50 years from now Google is dead or or Meta is dead mm-hmm. uh, or reincarnated as something different because right. that's just kind of the way industry works. Right. There will be more evolution to the internet. Do you think that evolution could start with Web three? I mean, that's that's the other interesting thing is who knows, mm-hmm. right? I mean, my right. Uh, brain can only handle, you know, if you would have told me 30 years ago that, you know, we were going to be have the capability to um, even do sort of video calls, I would have thought you were right. crazy, right? Yeah. Now it's just, just the norm. Pull out a song, a lot of people, pull any song out of thin air, right? Any song, yeah. absolutely. And mm-hmm. that's just amazing because, you know, I was right. big into music when I was growing up. Exactly. And the fact that you can literally pull any song out of the air, any movie you want to watch, you can do it without going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's just incredible, mm-hmm. right? I wouldn't yep. have predicted yep. that. And a lot of people are predicting within within probably your generation, maybe mine, mm-hmm. we're not going to be, it's, it's going to be self-driving cars. There's, there's not going to be any you know, human-directed uh, automobiles any, ever again. I mean, at some point that's going to happen, there's no doubt, but it's just a matter of if it's going to be the next 30 years or next 200 years. Right. Uh, it's hard to imagine that, right? But, yeah. you know, that could happen. So I think the there's the future is, you know, kind of amazing. If you think about how, you know, the, the sort of changes in to- mm-hmm. technology in the last 25 years, how monumental they've been, and we've been able to live through them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the future is pretty bright, and each each new technology sort of spawns off a whole new um, enterprise of other technologies. So, so I don't know. I wish I could predict it because I know what to, know better what to invest in. <laughs> right, right, right. And when we talk about globalization, it, it's fairly new. And what globalization did was basically it, uh, increased interaction. And um, interaction is good because it can lead to trade. It can lead to learning different perspectives, mm-hmm. but it can sometimes uh, create tension. And social yep. media, I feel like, can also, uh, not social media, but, you know, internet in general could also create tension. Yep. And uh, and just kind of getting back to the point, do you think uh, being able to pull anything out of thin air, like a song and any of that, do you think we sometimes take that for granted as a society? Oh, I, yeah, we definitely do. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think we definitely do. But, again, I see the positives in that. And, you know, there is the benefits of uh, sort of the connection to, yeah, because Americans typically have been very sort of, um, you know, egocentric in the sense that we we, we historically haven't cared much about uh, other countries and not knowing what's going on in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's just so easy to hear about situations in other parts of the world. Uh, you really have to be intentional to try to avoid it. You know, the real question is how do we, you know, do we have, a, is there a role for us in trying to solve the world's problems? That, you know, that's a political question, and mm-hmm. an economic question, but uh, you, you can't ignore it anymore. Whereas 50 years ago, it, it, it's not surprising you didn't necessarily hear about what was going on in a different part of the world. So I think that the globalization definitely has had strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. um, and consequences and, and rewards in terms of the supply chain and, right. uh, you know, goods and services. But, um, you know, for us, I think it's been a net gain and, you know, that isn't that way for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we've been able to capitalize on some of the benefits of technology and globalization, whereas others maybe are, are being sort of taken advantage of on the other side of things. So, Do you think globalization set up a scenario of a possible utopian or dystopian society in the future? Um, I mean, I don't think either of those extremes, but certainly like we're seeing now, the you know, certain positives and certain negatives. Mm-hmm. And 
I'd, I'd like to hope, and you know, maybe I'm naive that the the benefits of technology will allow for um, basically the other areas of the world to uh, develop more quickly. And so, you know, essentially the, the fruits of technology and these advances that we're making can be spread more widely across populations that haven't benefited, uh, you know, from industrialization or uh, sort of rapid development. So, but at the same time, those those same tools can be used to oppress and you know, keep populations down and take advantage of others. So, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be one ex- one positive extreme or one negative extreme? Probably not, but mm-hmm. it's going to be somewhere in between depending on kind of your location. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you agree with this, but in, in the rise of Web 2, may, mainly with social media platforms, do you think that's where the tension mainly started to rise? Um, That's a good question. It's hard to say. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly... Certainly, platforms would have emerged um, that created those kinds of opportunities, whether it would have been you know social media or some other tool. It, it definitely made it easier. And one could argue the the leaders or the the primary players in social media have made decisions to kind of exacerbate those problems, you know in terms of their philosophical approach to Mm-hmm. Uh, allowing nearly uh, widespread free expression mm-hmm. you know, without much regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the question becomes if there was more regulation and, and more monitoring of what's being said, particularly with regard to misinformation and disinformation, would so, or, or you know, clamping down even on uh, harm you know, or, mm-hmm. or hurtful content, because you know, they could have taken a, a stronger stand against that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, early on. So... I think the problems would have emerged. Maybe they would have been slower, uh, you know. But I think the technology and any communication mechanism is going to create uh, opportunities for these kinds of issues. Could you give me uh, basically uh, your opinion on kind of Web three and like your definition? Uh, I mean, I you know I think I've seen multiple definitions of it. I think it's just it's kind of like when you think about five G, right? Yeah, Every company okay. has a different a different idea of what that is and it's just the fifth generation of you know that technology so i look at web3 as sort of the third generation of ways to interact right and so whether that's you know virtual reality or kind of the metaverse Mm -hmm. or you know something um some broader way of interacting and communicating than sort of a a two-dimensional um you know, video slash, um, you know, text right. um, interaction. So, but I know different, I know there's uh, companies that are debating even the definition of a metaverse. So, mm-hmm. but I think every company has a slightly different version of what they're looking for. And it's kind of the, the race to the top to see who can kind of define what that is and, and what the right. standard for that is. Mm-hmm. So now, and, and and that's just sort of figuring out what it is and then going beyond that to, to figure out the, uh, you know, the potential benefits and, and consequences is a whole other whole other issue, right? Right. I also, it's also, some are defining it as maybe a way to also, for people to have more freedom to personally uh, digitalize their own content and to kind of monetize it. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. NFTs, if you've been yep. hearing the buzz yep. about that. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just it kind of crazy, just people uh, selling pictures of, 
dogs and apes and making half a million dollars for it. I mean, I know. I mean, that's yeah. something that would probably uh, make your mind blow about 30 years ago, too, Dr. Patch. You that. <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah. And, well, that's the thing is do we invest in NFTs now because they're going to be, you know, we're going to be billionaires in 20 years? Or right. to me, it just seems like a waste of money. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's because it's I don't completely understand. Even, even the crypto market, you know, it's like. Mm-hmm. Who knows uh, what, I mean, because I could have got in on some early cryptocurrency many years ago, and I just didn't see the need, see the demand, see the interest. Mm-hmm. But clearly, now there's some demand for it, right. you know, whether it's, you know, a more standard Bitcoin or, or something else. But who knows what to invest in, uh, you know, and it's just, it's ever-changing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is ever-changing, and it's just, these are all, to me, just uh examples are just like points that are kind of uh, directing towards a digital economy where a lot of people are be able to make their money digitally and i think i don't know if you agree with me on this but i think one thing that kind of sped up this process is the pandemic because it was basically the 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 here go of saying you know we can't be face to face you know we can't get each other sick so let's just do this meeting over the computer. Let's just do it over the phone. And I feel like... I agree completely. I just feel the pandemic totally uh, put this uh, possibility or that kind of sped up this future of a mainly a digital economy. Well, I just in a simple from a simple example standpoint, uh, even two years ago, I never would have thought of curbside pickup for groceries or food, whereas now that's very... We commonly do that. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's becoming more the norm. The pandemic sort of forced us to do those kinds of things Mm -hmm. and now people are seeing the benefits of sort of ordering your you know your sam's club order ahead of time and just pulling up and picking it up i mean it's super convenient or you think about how much money amazon has made in the last two years uh Uh, i mean so many more people will buy their stuff online than ever before and it sort of forced some people that were kind of slow adopters to that Mm -hmm. uh to dive right in so i think you're right yeah and I, i just uh do we do we think that um people digitally uh, making a living do you think that's you know obviously that's happened before but do you think that's basically going to be majority of the population no i don't think it's going to be the majority because okay. we're still going to need demand for you know service oriented activities mm-hmm. um you know there's always going to be that but mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a bigger portion for sure yeah. so there's a yeah. lot more people going to be making their livelihoods uh via some mechanism of the, the internet or technology, for sure. Have you uh, ever done a, a technology detox? Or a... Yeah, yeah, you know, I haven't done it for a long time. I mean, so I like spending time outside. So, okay. you know, there's times where I'll go hunting or fishing and, and I, I won't look at my phone or, mm-hmm. you know, won't have the technology. Mm-hmm. I haven't done, I've had friends who have done like intentional, like a week without their phones or something or yeah. social media. I've never done anything like that. Um, I will tell you that I, I do go through phases where I do other kinds of detoxes. Like uh, for the longest time, for about 20 years, I would give up soda for like three months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then about three, four years ago, I just gave it up completely and I don't have any anymore. And I do these kinds of things, just if, especially if I feel yeah. like I'm getting too attached to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe if I feel like I'm just too tied to the technology, some sometime I'll just take a break from it and just to see if I can. So Right. And I, that requires um, discipline. Right. And some sort yep. of way. Um, yep. Well, but the other yeah. thing is, too, discipline, yes. But, you know, when you think about our reliance on technology, yes. you know, exactly. like, let's say I went through a week where I wasn't going to do any, you know, anything mm-hmm. online. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm missing out on mm-hmm. sort of my work, you know, right. and right. so and I, you know, I'd have to 
So I guess if I did any kind of detox, it might be sort of the, the social media right. or maybe if there's a game I was playing too much of or something like that. But to, to uh, across the board give up technology, I don't I don't think that's really the problem. Um, so, okay. yeah. Right. And um, do, you, do you notice, um, I know you spoke at the FBI Academy. I, I'm just kind of interested. How was that like and uh, what was that experience? No, it was good. I did a, a year-long sort of visiting scholar position with uh, the FBI Behavioral Science Unit. They were interested in some of the things I was doing, and so I did some talks with people there. And um, you know, it's, it was a fun experience. Yeah. So it was it was interesting. Do you, do you see uh, some of it? I can talk about most of it. I can't. <laughs> do you love the outdoors? You, you're a professor at Eau Claire, correct? Correct. It's yep. a really beautiful uh, place. Um, yeah, I was there visiting this summer, and it's uh, yeah. What's your favorite part about uh, being a professor at Eau Claire? Well, I, you know, I love the students. I love the mm-hmm. community. I love the, the campus. We're a very kind of progressive area, and the art scene, the music scene is great here. Yeah. You know, so I can take in good mm-hmm. music and good, good like, uh, poetry and writing. And mm-hmm. I can be exposed to things that I never would have thought I would have been interested in mm-hmm. as a, a kid from a small town in northern Minnesota. Um, so... It's yeah. uh, so that that's what I like about it. And plus, you know, an hour and a half from Minneapolis, so if I want the big city experience, I can get it. So I can get it in an airport, air, airplane, in you know, less than seventy-five minutes. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are uh, a professor in criminal justice. Correct. And uh, I just basically so when it comes to that, what's the main concern? The main concern right. about criminal justice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so. It, I talk in my classes. I talk a lot about sort of the overview of what the system is, how mm-hmm. it works, and yeah. Uh, and I have an introductory course that just covers the kind of the basics, but mm-hmm. also get into more details on the juvenile justice system and yeah. the courts. And uh, I mean, there's obviously concerns when you think about you know who has the power within the criminal justice system and how they're utilizing it, and yeah. uh, if they're using it in an equitable and a kind of due process way versus a biased way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the criminal justice system overall is kind of under the microscope right now, mm-hmm. and people are kind of uh, watching, uh, you know, and, and seeing. And technology has actually aided this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the what uh, practitioners in criminal justice are are doing on a, on a daily basis. What would be the jobs uh, in criminal justice that like just interest you the most? Well, I'm interested in all, pretty much all aspects of the criminal justice system, but right. you know, I initially was going to be like a, a juvenile probation officer. I thought about being a police officer for a while. Um, I, any jobs where you work with kids, I would like. I mean, but definitely there's interesting jobs within federal law enforcement and investigations. I mean, that's the thing about criminal justice. There's many, many different jobs and opportunities. More like what's more of a worrying factor? Is it like for some, would it be sex trafficking or would it be the threats of cyber? You know, both are important issues. And that's the thing. I think uh, kind of more of a potentially an international concern than a kind of a local criminal justice concern. Right. Sorry, I'm outside now. So it's getting loud. <laughs> there's a big truck going by. No, that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. You, sound, you sound great. Okay. So, so I think, um, you know, there's the, the real issue is are, are there sort of, uh, you know, local concerns that local law enforcement would be addressing, like maybe like a cyberbullying or maybe even a sexting versus transnational technological concerns mm-hmm. uh, about hacking and, you know, viruses and even cyber warfare that just kind of beyond the local level, but more into the 
federal level. What, what kind of concerns you uh, more, the local level or the international? Oh, definitely the, the international, mm -hmm. you know, and the cyber threats as far as uh, hacking into systems and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that kind of stuff is, I just, you just have little control over that. Right. So, yeah, and you just hope that there are people smarter than you working mm -hmm. to protect you. <laughs> right, right. And do you think, you know, when it comes to just technology and the way, uh, you know, it's handled, do you think America is number one or it, who knows? Oh, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, it depends yeah. on what you mean by number one. And right, correct. Uh, on I would say, um, I, mean. I guess to kind of rephrase when it comes to access. I think we're doing pretty good on access. I mean, there's still parts of the country that don't have broadband access, mm -hmm. uh, but compared to some other countries, you know, we're probably good but not best, I would say. I mean, I'm sure there's Scandinavian countries and European mm -hmm. countries that are doing better than us, but, you know, we're right. a big country and we have a lot mm -hmm. of rural areas, and so that could be expected. Right. And I know there's no statistics or research on this, but now when it comes to responsibility with technology, where do you think America would rank? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think we all have problems and challenges, yeah. um, but I think we're maybe better off than, than many countries. But at the same time, we because of the nature of mm -hmm. you know American sort of democracy and expectations, we sometimes have higher expectations about what we should be able to do and should not be able to do. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see if anybody did any research on that. I don't mean to keep you too long, but I'll ask you one more question here. Um, All right, one more, no problem. I have to go pick my kid up from school, so yeah. <laughs> so basically, when you were a kid, uh, did you want to be a professor, or did you have a moment where you knew when growing up that you wanted to take the path that you did? Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm switching over to my, uh, my truck here. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid... Um, I don't know what I wanted to do when I was really little, but when I was uh, probably in high school, I wanted to be in, in somewhere in the, I wanted to be a police officer because the police officers in my small town were kind of always involved in things in the community and they were helping and they were, uh, hockey coach was a police officer. So I never would have uh, kind of predicted ever that I would be, want to be a doing this kind of research. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, it's, you just never know what, uh, Life will bring you. That was Dr. Patchen, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is this, uh, Dr. Patchen. I just want to thank you uh, so much for this. This is this, your advice is golden. No problem, Hayden. It was good chatting with you. It was great chatting with you. I just wanted you. To...